So it's a great joy. It's my joy this morning uh, to carry on this beautiful series we are doing, Listen Up. Important idea for us as followers of Jesus. It's always been an important idea for people who love the Lord and are following Him that we learn to listen. My goodness. And I think this is a, a great timely moment for us because I don't know about you, but I am conscious we are living possibly in the noisiest generation in the history of the world. Now, that's not me as a 55-year-old giving off at young people. That's just an observation. I think, I, I think I'm bombarded with noise everywhere I go. You go to a hotel, sit down, eat your breakfast, like blurry music in the background. What do I need? pop music on at eight o'clock in the morning, you get into a lift and there's music. Everywhere you go, there's noise and uh, it, it can bombard us. And if we're not careful, we're not careful, the voice of God, or let me put it another way, the ability to hear the voice of God sort of gets lost. And I think we as 21st century Christians are facing very unique challenges that maybe our first century counterparts didn't quite experience. They didn't have the noise that you are contending with. They didn't have, I think, the level of stimulus you are contending with every single day. The, the amount of information just coming at me and you. As an ordinary human, let alone someone who's got serious responsibility, my goodness, that level of stimulus and bombardment is at times overwhelming. And the danger is, because of that, we find ourselves driven into a lifestyle where, where we are, are losing the ability to listen. And, and somehow, we need to capture that. And that's what this beautiful series is about. If you missed last week, please hook into that. Um, we hope it will be a, a deeply practical series for you as we think about how to listen to the Lord. And it's my joy. I have a true honor of uh, following up on this. So here we go. I'm going to read from uh, one of the beautiful Psalms in the Bible. It's the very first Psalm of the Bible, Psalm 1. If you want to follow with me in your Bible, then grab it and look that up right now. If you don't have a Bible, just listen to my words as I read them to you. Blessed is the man or the woman, in this context, it's just that language is used. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his, her delight is in the law of the Lord and on that law he meditates day and night. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he or she does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, we serve a God who, if he needs to speak to us, can speak to us in a million different ways, okay? So in my experience as a follower of Jesus, I've been following Jesus since I was eight years old. I've had God speak to me in a sort of a voice in my head where I, I believe he spoke to me. And I've said this maybe before to this congregation that when God speaks to me, he always speaks in an Irish accent. That's how I know it's him. It's really strange. Um, 
But he's, I've heard the voice of God, I would argue, in a voice in my head, and that may be hard to explain. I've heard God speak to me through preachers. I've heard God speak to me through friends. I've heard God speak to me through study. I've heard God speak to me through a podcast. But I would say to you, in all my experience as a follower of Jesus, the number one primary way in which, in my experience, the Lord has spoke to me, I've heard his voice, is through this book. Now, we have an advantage over some of our early forefathers and foremothers in the faith, people like the first century disciples. They didn't have a book like this. They were still writing some of this, okay? You and I have the incredible privilege of carrying this thing around in us, whether in a hard copy form like that or, or an electronic form on your phone or your tablet. We've got the, 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 this entirety of the words of God in a book. It's the most incredible thing. And I would say to you and me that one of the ways, if we're going to learn to listen up, we've got to take seriously is how we listen to this book. All right? Now, not just how we listen to it when a preacher preaches it, but how you, me, as individual followers of Jesus, uh, how we learn to listen to this book. Okay? And, and in this psalm, we're given a huge clue, a huge nudge in, in how that happens, one of the ways that happens. Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, that word law there, don't be put off by it, a literal translation, a better translation for me, is instruction of the Lord. His delight is in the instruction of the Lord. And on that instruction, he meditates day and night. There's a big clue in the context of, of how to listen to the Lord given to us in this verse. Now, when I was a, a much, much younger I would, I had a terrible habit of eating my food really fast, okay, like super fast. And you think, well, 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 why was that? Well, I've tried to analyze that, and it, certainly it wasn't because my brother and sister were stealing my food off me or anything like that. Um, but I just got into the habit of eating food really fast. And as I've looked back on my life and tried to think about it and analyze it, uh, I've come to the conclusion there's probably two or three reasons why I did that. Number one, for me as a youngster, food was functional. It was just food. All right? Now, today, food's a science. Food's sexy. You know, food sells. Food, food, you know, there's millions of programs about food on all, all of our televisions. Food is a, a, a completely different conversation than was when I was a boy growing up in Belfast. For me, food was just functional. It was just something you did. Just eat your dinner. Okay? The second thing that was a problem for me while I probably eat fast was because I was quite an active child. I love playing sport. I love being out. I was rarely in the house on my own sort of thing. I was always out and about doing stuff. So food was a sort of an interruption. It was an inconvenience to me. My mom used to call me in from playing football on the streets of Belfast. And I can remember still my mom having to call me three or four times because just, just one more minute, just one more minute, you know. And then you go in and then your dinner's sitting there and you're just scoffing it down because you want to get back to the game. Yeah. And, and can I say, and I say this carefully, my cousin Paul's not here, so I'll say this. I, the, the food wasn't that good. 
All right, now I wanted to be careful. I didn't say that online in the first service because I, I didn't want my sister listening to this and giving me a hard time over my mommy's cooking. Uh, but, but the food wasn't that good. It was very plain. It was very, uh, is that fair? Or is it just me in Belfast? So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't always a great experience, right? And as a result, I developed a habit of eating food fast. Now, as I have got older, that habit has changed, and I now eat slower than I've ever eaten. Uh, and, and people say, well, that's just because you're getting older, John. When you get older, everything slows down, John. Uh, but that's not the case, because I think what's changed is not the fact that I'm older, it's the fact that my attitude to food has changed. I no longer see food as functional. Food for me now is not just biological, it's emotional. It's social. It does something for me. It does something to me. I think my wife has helped change my whole view on how I see food and understand food and enjoy food. So for me now, food's not functional. It's, it's a, an integral and deeply enjoyable part of my, my life. Yeah, Food's no longer an interruption. In fact, we were in Singapore a couple of weeks ago. I was out there teaching, and Don and I went out together, and we, we extended a little bit, did a little bit of holiday out in Singapore. Uh, now, if you've ever been to Singapore, the Singaporeans have two obsessions. One is shopping, and the other is food. I mean, it is a national obsession. So the food's amazing. And I preached on the Saturday night in a church and the, the, the pastor took me out and Dawn out to this amazing restaurant. Now, it was one of those restaurants where as soon as you walk in, you go, thank God, I'm not paying the bill. <laughs> Have you ever been in one of those restaurants where you go, oh, Lord. And Dawn caught a little, now I knew, I mean, I, I'm looking at what's going on. I'm thinking, whoa, this is serious restaurant. Um, and Dawn caught sight of the menu, and my goodness, I, I wouldn't want to repeat it, but we're talking serious money, serious cash here. Now, the food was amazing. The problem was they rushed us, because when you serve amazing food, everybody wants to eat it. And they were booked out solid. Every single cover in that restaurant was completely full all night. And so we arrived, and they told us we had an hour to eat our food. Now, my hosts were very upset by that because they were paying a lot of money for this great food. And actually, it sort of ruined the night. Now, the food was amazing. The experience was terrible because we didn't get to enjoy the food because we had to rush the food. Okay? And I found myself, you know, thinking about the wee eight-year-old in Belfast just swallowing. Don't chew, swallow. <laughs> okay, so, so that's all going on there. The very next day was Father's Day. 19th of June, and after I preached in the two morning services, they took us out to a local hotel and to a beautiful buffet meal, 62 or $64 a head, Singaporean dollars, so about 40 quid a head. The food was amazing, but not only was the food amazing, we had time to eat it, all right? Now, we spent in that restaurant just under, just about three hours eating now, not, not like eating for three full hours, but you know what I mean? Backwards and forwards, talking, eating, talking, eating. Do you know what I mean? It was just amazing. And Dawn said to me, if our guests hadn't have been in a rush to go on where they were going, because they had other things to do, our hosts, we would have probably stayed another hour. All right? Now, 
Was the food any better on Saturday night than Sunday? No. Was the food worse? Not really. It was high quality food right across the board. In fact, in the hotel in Singapore, I went to the floor manager and I said, this is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Incredible food. Wonderful, wonderful experience. What made the difference was we had time to not just enjoy it, but savor it. Are you with me? I, I love MasterChef. I, I, I don't know what's happened to me. Um, I've become a different person sort of thing. I love MasterChef. In fact, I like Australian MasterChef. Anyone watched Australian MasterChef? It's like MasterChef on speed, isn't it? It's like absolutely high-octane MasterChef. Um, Brits couldn't cope with that. We would fall over with exhaustion uh, just watching MasterChef. But what I love about MasterChef is not just the brilliant cooking and the artistry and all the stuff that goes into that. It's when the judges taste it, they, they don't just go, hey, that's good. But they tell you what flavors are in it, how they've combined the flavors. Oh, you could have put a little bit more of that. You could have done it. I'm going, wow, these guys know food so much that when they put a piece of food in their mouth, they can tell you what flavors, what spices, and the combination of the spices used. I'm going, wow, they didn't learn that in McDonald's, right? <laughs> Come on. Amazing. John, what's that got to do with the Bible? Well, Psalm 1 verse 2 sort of says that. But his delight is in the instruction of God. Now, that's an attitude thing. So when I'm a boy, my attitude to food is functional. When your attitude to food is functional, you eat fast. All right? You with me? Or is it just me? Okay? So, so, when you go to a fast food restaurant, you're not thinking about being there for three or four hours. You're thinking about eating and going. In fact, sometimes you're eating as you go. The whole idea is, it's really not about enjoying it. It's just about getting it in you. Okay. So, so when food is functional, you eat fast and you don't enjoy it so much. What's happened to me in my journey with food, and this is where we're making the journey with the Word of God, is that I've moved from seeing food as functional to seeing something as absolutely essential and enjoyable. And as a result then, I want to engage with it more. And I'm getting more out of the food. I'm not just getting the biological requirements of food. I'm getting a whole stack of things out of food that I wouldn't normally get, not because the food has changed, but because my attitude has changed. You with me? That makes sense to you? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I've been in ministry 35 years this month, and that's one of the wrestles I've had with followers of Jesus for the last 35 years at some level or another. Many beautiful Christians, like people sitting looking at me now, see the Bible as functional. They've been told they should read it. They've been told they should understand it. They should, they've been told they should study it. And so it becomes, for some of them, an interruption in normal living. Something they do in order to get back to their normal life. So I've got to read the Bible. So, okay, I'll read the Bible in the morning and then I'll get on with my life. All right? And it becomes functional. Now, when the Bible remains functional, you'll read it fast. When you read it fast, it's hard to hear it. Are you with me? Okay, now, here's the amazing thing about the Bible. You can read it speed reading, fast, on the go, and it still has the power to speak to you. It's an incredible book. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Even if we don't give it a chance, it can still speak to us in the most amazing way. But if it speaks to me when I'm living fast, what could it do if I slow it down a wee bit? If food is good, even when I eat it fast, what could food taste like if I slow down and savor the spices that are melting in my mouth? Yes, are you with me? And so it's not just the food that's the issue, it's the attitude. Our attitude to this will determine whether it gets the chance to speak to us or not. And our attitude to it will determine whether we're really listening or not. You with me? So if our delight is in the law, if it's something we don't just see as functional, but something we really believe is essential, then if I believe this book's essential, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to slow down a bit, and I'm going to lean in a bit more. Does that make sense? If I don't really see it, I know as a Christian, I know it's important, but if I don't really see it as essential, but I just see it as something to do, then I'm more likely to treat it like fast food. Dip in, dip out, move on. Dip in, dip out, move on. And hopefully get a bit of supplement from a visiting preacher or one of the team here at the bridge. You with me? Now, if food becomes our delight, then we're more likely to engage with it. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying this, and on this law, this, this instruction, to use my analogy, this food, what does he do? He meditates day and night. Now, in both the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, there are essentially three dominant words when it comes to understanding the idea of meditate. And when you say meditation to a 21st century audience, you're going to get all sorts of weird, wonderful views of what that means. And if we're going to think about meditating, we've got to think about what the Bible means by it. And here's what the Bible essentially means. If you took the two big Hebrew words and the Greek word and you sort of massage them together, put them together, here's the idea we're getting. The idea to meditate is to, uh, it can literally mean to moan or to groan outwardly, uh, one extreme interpretation. It can mean to confess or complain. But the essential idea of meditating is turning the thoughts in your head into words in your mouth. So in other words, I'm thinking about something, but I'm just not leaving it in my brain. I'm taking that thought and then turning it into some sort of word conversation. I'm muttering or, or rehearsing or speaking those words. So biblical meditation is not just an internal idea, something that I'm doing quietly or privately, but actually, biblical meditation has the idea of taking my inner thought, whatever that is, and then making it words, rehearsing those words, speaking those words, meditating those words in the form of speech. Now, in many ways, what we did in worship this morning is sort of that. Worship is a way of training me to meditate on words. Now, if, if I had said to you afterwards, did you enjoy your time of meditation? Everyone would go, what? I didn't do any meditation. We sang today. But the way we sang those songs is a form of meditation. What am I doing? I am taking words, I'm thinking about those words, and then I'm rehearsing those words. And here's what happens. The more I chew 
or mutter or rehearse those words, what I'm being taught is this, that, that, that biblically, my chances of hearing something go up. Okay, you with me? So the more I chew, the more I potentially can hear. The more I mutter the words of God, rehearse the words of God, the more opportunity I have of hearing what God wants to say to me. All right? Now, now the Lord can speak to us in lots and lots of ways, but what we're leaning into here is this is one of the big ways, the primary ways in which God does it. And if that's true, then, then we've got to sort of take how we hear this word seriously. And one of the ways we do it is learning to rehearse or to use the Bible word, meditate on those words. So what is biblical meditation? Well, to summarize it for you, to meditate is the intentional action of rehearsing the Word of God. That's it. Meditation is the intentional action of rehearsing the Word of God. And here's what we're doing. We're taking a thought that we've read in the Bible, and we're moving that thought from just inside our brain to now a rehearsal of those words in our everyday experience. Are you with me? So meditation is the intentional action of rehearsing the Word of God. Is that helpful? I hope it is, because when we think about meditation, we have some weird and wonderful ideas that I'm sort of in, in a room on my own with my legs crossed, my mind empty, and, you know, looking at my navel. Now, when it comes to biblical meditation, none of that is either required or encouraged. Here's the beauty about biblical meditation. You can be in the shower and be meditating. Why? Because meditation is the intentional action of rehearsing the Word of God. You can be walking the dog and meditating. You can be driving your car, meditating, eyes open, okay? You can be sitting around a dinner table, meditating. You can be in a community or on your own, meditating. You can be on the bus. That may be, may be a bit more challenging, but meditating. Do you understand what I mean? It's, it's bringing the action of meditating into the everyday. It's not an exercise where you have to climb up a mountain and be on your own and sort of, you know, contemplate your navel. In fact, the Bible understanding of this really moves us from that. Now, is it okay to climb up a mountain and do that? Yeah, fine if you want to do that, but you don't have to. You can meditate on the Word of God while walking down the street. I think that's cool. I mean, honestly, I think that's brilliant because, because actually that brings the Word of God into my everyday experience and helps me. So I'm hope, I hope that makes sense to you. I hope, I hope it's helping you because this is a, a concept and an idea that many Christians are uncomfortable with in the 21st century, and yet it's a strong biblical idea that I think sometimes we have to recapture. So now, before we move on, let me just recap. Can God speak to you any way he wants? He can. But one of the primary ways God speaks is through his word. If that is true, we have to find a way to listen to his word. One of the ways we learn to listen to his word is to chew, not swallow. 
Okay? Slow down. Enjoy the Word of God. And, and meditating is a way of slowing down and allowing the Word of God to speak to us. Make sense so far? With me? All right. So what's the focus of our meditation? Now, here's a biggie. And if you forget everything else I'm saying, please get this one. This is so, so important. Biblical meditation differs from other forms of meditation on the planet in, the, in this way. Often, meditation encourages us to empty our mind. But biblical meditation encourages you to fill your mind. Okay? And this is a game, this was a game changer for me. This was a transformational revelation to me. Absolutely set me free. Because as a youngster, I would practice, I would try to practice meditation by sitting in a room and trying to think about nothing in the hope that God would sort of fill my brain. All right, that's, that's okay. But that's taking me in the wrong direction. It's not encouraging me to think about nothing. It's encouraging me to fill my mind with something. So what's the something that I'm encouraged to fill my mind with? Well, in terms of the use of this word, three dynamic ideas stand out to us. First of all, fill your mind with God himself. That's why what we've just done in worship is powerfully important. The repeating of ideas like we believe God is a promise keeper. God is a way maker. God is a miracle worker. That's not just a means of whipping up a congregation. That's a form of meditation. That's a form of me filling my mind with truth and then speaking it. Speaking it over and over again. That's why songs are very powerful. Because songs are a musical way of moving the word of God into my confession. And that's been very helpful. That's been done by followers of Jesus and Jews for thousands of years. We've put words into songs to help us rehearse the words. Why? Because rehearsing words about God help us to hear who God is, which will change our lives. Are you with me? So, so powerful. Here's what it says in the Psalm, Psalm 63. On my bed I remember you. Now the you there is God. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Now the NIV translates that, think of you, but the word literally could be translated, I meditate on you. So what's the psalmist doing on his bed? He is rehearsing who God is during the night. He's, he's rehearsing words about God. God, you are good. God, you are great. God, you are loving. Lord, you, you, your promise to me is A, B. He's rehearsing those words. And that's a form of then allowing the Word of God to come to us and listen to it afresh. The second area is to listen to His Word, to meditate on His Word. I love what it says in the psalm that we read, but His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law or on that instruction, He meditates day and night. So, so what, what, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to fill our mind with the instruction of God. What does the Lord want? What does the Lord love? What does the Lord like? What's the Lord into? What moves the Lord? Well, what we're doing is we're allowing our mind to be filled with that idea and then we're rehearsing it. We're repeating it. And the more we repeat that idea, the more we're chewing, the more we're getting the goodness out of the food. Now, if you, if you just read God is good and swallow and move on, that's still good for you, right? Food, the food's still good for you. You know, my mom used to say, eat your broccoli. And I would say, why? Why do you want me to do that? 
because it's good for you. And I would eat it even though I really didn't want it. And to be honest, really didn't like it. I like it more now, but really didn't like it. But I would eat it anyway, right? Because it's good for me. Now, whether we appreciate that food or not, whether we take time over it or not, it's still good for us. So, So even if it's going down quickly, it's still good for me. But if I can give the opportunity to chew it, it's transformational. We're encouraged to chew our food somewhere between 32 to 40 times per bite. So when you're having your lunch today, try that. Okay, try it. Uh, There's donuts for sale afterwards. Some of you have had a few already. Try and eat a donut and chew 32 times before you swallow. Here's what you'll discover. You probably swallow before 32. And, And chewing 32 times to 40 times really requires intention. All right? John, it's hard to chew a piece of broccoli 32 times. Well, yeah, well, I know. There's some food, you're, you're clearly, it's not going to make it to 32. But the sort of average encouragement is 32 to 40. Thank, try it. Will you try it over lunch for me? And here's what you'll discover. Most of us swallow quicker than we should. We, we are, are, are trained to sort of eat faster, slow down. That's what's happening with the Bible. We're being encouraged and meditating to slow down and chew slowly. You with me? And then thirdly, to meditate on the works of God. It says, I will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will talk of your wonderful works. Psalm 145. That, that phrase, I will speak, is meditate. All right? So, so what are we filling our mind with? Well, we're given three examples here, which gives us the clue. Fill your, fill your mind with who God is. Fill your mind with what God says. Fill your mind with what God does. Come on now, who he is, what he said, what he does. Now, when we do that and then we rehearse that, we're more, we're giving ourselves more chance to hear something. We're getting the juices out of the food, not just swallowing. You with me? All right. Let's draw this to a close. Let's land this with some practical encouragement, practical help. Now, these are things I personally practice. So I'm not now selling you something that I'm not buying into. So this is, these are practices that I've been engaging in for years as a follower of Jesus. And I would say to you, they work. They really do work. Are they easy? No. Could you do something other than this? Absolutely. And that's why chewing is a discipline. That's why rehearsing is a discipline. But hopefully some of these will help you. Number one, turn off the noise. So here's what I want to encourage you. If, this, if, we're, if we're accepting that this is one of the key ways God speaks to us, it's not the only way, but one of the key ways God speaks to us, then when you and I are reading it or listening to it, whatever way you engage with the Bible, when we are doing that, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Turn off or down, at least, all the other distractions in your world at that moment that will take you away from hearing that word. All right? So I know, I know somebody's going to come at me and say, well, I can, I can read the Bible, watch TV, play with the kids, and cook a three-course dinner all at the same time. I know there are people that believe they can do that, but you can't. All right? We don't multitask. We task shift. 
You can't concentrate on one thing or two things 100% each. That's impossible. It's just, it's in every level, it's impossible. And I meet people with all sorts of distractions and, and, and then they're engaging with the Bible and they're wondering why they don't hear anything. Well, it's because it's, there's lots of distraction noise. Uh, you know, I, so often, modern world has changed. So, so many times I've sat at a, at a table with someone or, or sat having a conversation with someone and in the middle of the conversation, they've got their phone out and they're responding to a WhatsApp or a text while they're talking to me. And I'm going, okay, I'll wait till you're finished. Because that distraction, uh, pl please forgive me if it offends you, that distraction is disrespectful to me. When you decide to take another conversation when I'm talking to you, I mean, you're either saying to me, John, you're really boring, shut up, or I really don't care what you have to say to me at this point because this WhatsApp's more important. All right? Now, I have three adult children. When they come to our home, they're still not allowed their phones at the dinner table. The phones are banned from our dining room table. Right? Because we want food and human conversation. And, it, and it's incredibly disrespectful when you're in the middle of a talking to someone, but you're clearly distracted by other things. Right? Now, imagine how the Lord feels when I'm opening up his book and watching Match of the Day at the same time. Are you with me? Now listen to me. I, I, I don't want to get hard and heavy on this, but if we believe that this book is God-breathed, breathed by God, this, this isn't made up. This isn't a human author. This is breathed by God. That's what the Bible says about itself. If we believe that, we've got to give it a bit of respect. And one of the ways you respect the Bible is when we're reading it or listening to it, we're respecting it by turning off the noise. All right, I'll leave that with you. But it's going to be hard to hear the voice of God in the noise. Sometimes we have to turn the noise off in order for him to be heard. Of course, he can shout over the noise because he's God. But here's what he won't compete with. Listen to me carefully. Now, I know you love me and I love you, but here's what Jesus will not compete with. is disrespect. He won't compete with dishonor. If your world's noisy because there's things outside of your control, he can speak over the noise into you. But if you're, if you're allowing noise while, while opening up his word, I, I, I think he's not going to compete with the disrespect. He's going to wait till you're ready to speak. Is that fair? You okay with that? Hope you're not offended by that. Here's the second tip quickly. Tune in your heart. Now, here's what I do. Again, I, I don't want to be overly descriptive on this because you found your own way. But if this book's really, really important, then what I try to do before opening it up and reading it, I try to tune my heart in. So here's what I try to do. I try to settle my mind, settle my heart, and I pray. And I invite the Holy Spirit into the moment. And I say, Holy Spirit, please come and open my eyes that I would see wonderful things in your law. Help my mind to be settled and still so that I can actually hear these words for the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, however long it is. Okay? 
And what that does is it brings in an intentionality to me where I am now expecting him to speak. I want him to speak. I'm turning the noise down and now I'm tuning in. I'm saying, open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart. I don't just want to swallow this piece of scripture. I want to chew it. With me? All right, third thing. Read slowly. Can I just say this to you? Remember, the Bible is not a race. The point of reading the Bible is not how quickly you read it. The point of reading the Bible is how well you hear it. You with me? Now, if you're on one of those fantastic Bible plans where you're reading the Bible in a year, which will mean roughly about four chapters a day, I really want to commend you. I've done that many, many times, and I've done all sorts of plans. I now read the Bible. I've designed my own Bible reading plan, and I do it that way. But here's, here's what I'm doing. I, I read the Bible slower than I've ever read it, because here's what I was discovering when I was reading four or five chapters a day, which was brilliant to get through the Bible. I was getting through the chapters, but forgetting what I read. And that's a monumental exercise in missing the point. Now, now listen, I would rather you read it fast than not read it, okay? So I'd rather you swallow the bro bro broccoli than not eat the broccoli, right? So, so please stick to your plan, keep doing it. But the point of the plan is not speed. You won't get a prize for reading the Bible in a year. You get the prize for hearing it and doing it. You with me? And I would rather you, now, now listen carefully, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? I would rather you read one chapter of the Bible a day and hear something than four chapters and hear nothing. Now, I would rather you read four chapters than nothing, <laughs> okay? So whatever way you're doing it, read it. But, but the point is not speed, but hearing. With me? That makes sense to you? All right, almost there. When you come to read the Bible, I want to encourage you. Any, any of you who've been coming to the Jonah series, you'll know I've been encouraging you to read the book of Jonah out loud to yourself, right? Or you can do it in a group together. Have it read to you or read it out loud. If you've got you version app of the Bible, you can have your version of the Bible read to you by someone. It's a really brilliant exercise. And here's the reason I do that. Two, two big reasons. Number one, I've discovered that when I read the Bible, especially bits of the Bible I'm familiar with, if I read it internally, just with my eyes, my brain skips words. Okay? My brain skips words because I, I think I know what this says. So I'm not really reading it fully. But when I read it out loud, secondly, I hear something in a different way than I hear it with just my eyes. Does that make sense? You will hear with your eyes, but you also hear with your ears. So you read something internally, and it'll sound a certain way in your head. Read that externally, outward, and you'll hear something else, something more, something a bit different. Remember, the first century Christians would have had the Bible read to them. Very few of them would have had a copy of any of the scriptures on their own. They would have had the scriptures read to them because there's a hearing experience. Read out loud. Will you try that?
Just try it. Have a go at it. If it doesn't work for you, then stop it. But it's worked for me. It's a transformational experience for me. Almost there. When you read out loud and you hear something, record it. Write it down. On your phone, on your tablet, on a piece of paper, write it down. Uh, this, is, this is my preaching Bible, but I have an everyday Bible at home, and it's got big wide margins in it. And if you looked at my Bible, there are scribbles all over the wide margins. There are bits of the text sort of colored in. There are notes underneath it. Why? Because as I'm reading it slowly, something speaks, I write it down. Because if I don't write it down, I forget it. And when I forget it, I won't be able to listen up to it. Write it down. Write it down. Get into a little habit of just writing it down when it jumps out at you. And then lastly, rehearse it. So once you've written it down, be intentional that day or that week about thinking about what you've written down. And if possible, try and turn that thought into a rehearsed conversation or words. So let, let me give you an example. Many years ago, the Lord spoke to me from Exodus. These beautiful words that are in Exodus, God describing himself. The Lord described himself as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness. When I read that, it just jumped out at me and it became, whoa. That then, I wrote that down, I recorded that, and that has become not just something I rehearsed then, I'm still rehearsing that years later. It's still a truth I rehearse and listen to every day. Are you with me? So, so think about Turn off the noise if you can. Give the Word of God a chance to speak. Not over the noise, but because you've dumbed the noise. Tune your heart in. Read slowly. Read out loud. Record it if you can. And off the back of that recording, rehearse it. And all that's doing is this. All that's doing is giving the Word of God a greater chance to speak. That's all. You can swallow it whole and it can still speak. But the more you chew, the more the opportunity is there to hear. God can speak to you in lots of different ways, but one of the primary ways he has chosen to speak is through this. So if our attitude to it is functional, we'll eat fast and we'll not hear as much as we could. If our attitude becomes essential, then we'll start to eat slow and we will give his word the chance to speak. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. May God help us all to chew and not just swallow. Amen? Will you stand with me? As you've probably seen coming in today, we have the communion stations around the hall, two at the front, two at the back. We're going to break bread together. And we're going to take a moment to slowly reflect on that. Maybe you're with a family. Come as a family. Come slowly. Share together. If you're on your own, maybe come with a friend. If, you, if that's not relevant or possible, just come as you are. But this is a moment where we slow the world down and we think about his body given for us, we think about his blood shed for us, and we say to him, thank you. We literally rehearse this idea. Jesus said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show my death till I come. 
One day we won't have to eat that bread. We won't have to drink that cup because Jesus will have returned. And everything that he died to achieve will have been achieved. But until that day, this bread, this cup is a symbol that we remember. This is a form of meditation. We are rehearsing. We're also looking forward to the day that he returns. So Lord Jesus, thank you for my brothers and sisters here in this place. Lord, I pray for each of us that there will be a deepening of our delight in your word. And Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us, however we do it, to give your wonderful word a chance to speak to us. Lord, we live in a noisy world. Some of that noise self-inflicted, some of that noise imposed upon us. But Lord, we don't just want to be people who swallow and move on, but we want to be people who learn to mutter, rehearse, and chew your word so that perhaps we can hear things and taste things and see things we've never seen before. Lord, will you help us? Your word declares that the unfolding of your word brings light and grants understanding to the simple. May that be our experience. And Lord, as we come to the bread, as we come to the cup, we are so grateful that we get the chance to rehearse, to remember, to recall, to bring fresh confession to this amazing, glorious feast that says to each one of us, God loved us and gave himself for us. So Lord, as we take the bread that speaks of your body, as we take the cup that speaks of your blood, may our hearts be full, may our minds be renewed, and may our lives be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen.